Welcome to the Young IPA Podcast. I'm James. This is Pete. G'day, everyone. Did you forget my name then? Is that why you're a bit uh, No, because I just realized I didn't write out an introduction at all. So this is freewheeling. Same everyone. Week. It's the same every week, but I was like, the second I started speaking, I'm like, you don't know what date it is. You don't know what episode this is. You don't know who's on the show. Yeah. So, but I do know all of that now because I've stalled long enough. <laughs> that my mental you. faculties have been uh, on the subconscious. So... On today's show, we have Senator James Patterson. We are going to be talking about... What did we talk with James? We talked about coronavirus. Oh, I thought I had a bit more than I did, and I did not. How to respond to coronavirus. We got into a deep dive on social media, actually, which we didn't That was expect. a lot of fun. So, yeah, coronavirus, right, social media, his skincare regime as well. That's right. Yeah. That was very That's fun. That's why we got him on primarily. And it is the 12th of March, and this is episode 149. And we're also going to be talking a few other things, uh, coronavirus itself. Uh, we've got villain Scott Cam is in Pete's side, so oh, yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. You really let me down, Scott uh, and uh, I've got one story out of a retirement village, which I am really looking forward to myself. But we should start with coronavirus because coronavirus has been a thing for a couple of months now. Mm. Pete and I have always wondered, should we talk about it on the podcast? And we've like just basically come to the conclusion of what do we add other than just going like, this is a thing that's happening and we don't like it. That's right. I mean, like, well, you know, you, I'm sure people don't come to us for health advice, or at least I hope they don't. No. But overnight, we've seen the WHO officially call it a pandemic. It, Italy's death toll has risen by 31%. Death toll of 4,614 the last time I saw. Still a very low mortality rate. But of course, today, the big story for us really is that- Dark Mofo got cancelled. Dark Mofo also got cancelled. Uh, is that what it's called? Yes. Did I say that right? Good. They got cancelled. Uh, That's what, the big what, story. Whatever that is. The cult- <laughs> and, um, Cultural commentator Peter Gregory. Yeah. Slightly aware of what people do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and so the stimulus package is being announced. Stimulus package, yes. By the Australian government. Um, it's going to be targeted to small and medium-sized businesses. Uh, up to 8 million workers apparently will be given up to $25,000 in cash. Uh, there's a whole lot more there. 3.5 million businesses um, will... Sorry, that can't be right. Anyway, ignore that bit. But anyway, the stimulus package is coming. Yes. Uh, and we talked to James a little bit about it. We didn't get into it too much because when we spoke to James, it was a couple of days ago and yep. all the details weren't out. But basically for me, it's like, okay, look, we, we, we believe in the free market, but the government has some role sometimes. But in moments like this, it's important to keep stressing that the free market, in fact, does still solve everything. Yeah, it's the same thing as like the global financial crisis where – the idea that you can just give people lump sums of money and like that's going to solve the problem. It's like, you know, I guess a cash payment would be nice and there's a lot of people that aren't going to be getting their regular employment. Mm. Uh, but it, the fundamental problem when a coronavirus or a GFC comes up is that people stop spending money. Mm. And that's where the problem is. And if you just like go to the other side and just say, okay, well, here's lump sums of money. People don't tend to spend it if they don't want to and they're too scared to go to the cinemas and they're too scared to go to things. So you don't actually really help the Australian economy all that much, but you do add to debt. And that's like what uh, Kian Hussey uh IPA research fellow, his article today, which you can read at ipa.org.au sort of gets into where it's like the stimulus package isn't the best way to go about it. You want to go the other side. You want to start reducing red tape. You want to start uh, doing things that encourage people to keep spending. That's right. If you want to, if you want to stimulate the economy to the tune of billions of dollars, just reduce taxes by billions of dollars. Anyway, I've also got a couple more examples of how the free market solves this stuff. Adam Crichton had a really good one where he tweeted during the week. Adam Crichton from the Oz said the best possible stimulus would be suspension of mandatory superannuation contributions. That's a 10% pay rise for the whole country. Think about it. Uh, another one that we saw, which I really liked, the Australian Retailers Association Executive Director, Russell Zimmerman, pointed out, so you know we're all running out of dunny paper. Yeah. Uh, there's heaps of dunny paper in warehouses. Just call it toilet paper I, if I, you could. I'm going to keep going with dunny paper. All right. Uh, there's heaps of dunny paper in, to- in warehouses. but You'd hope. So, so we've got enough, even with all this panic buying, we've still got enough. It's just that it's not legal in many places for trucks to deliver toilet paper from warehouses to supermarkets between 10, a- 10 p.m. and 7 a.m., for example. That's the example he used. Is there a reason for that? It's just a regulation. I don't when, know what the, what the- when you told me that, I was like, how is that a thing? Yeah, well. Like in a, in a time where panic buying and the second of toilet paper is on the shelves, it's gone. Mm. It's Supermarkets are just told to, you know what, cop it. Exactly right. And that adds to the psychological effect of this because yeah. people nev- we never see empty s- supermarket shelves in our lives. No. But- We've actually got the stuff. It's just physically can't get it there. So if you reduce that silly regulation, we wouldn't – first of all, people don't have toilet paper, but you wouldn't have the psychological impact. So, And we talked to James Patterson a little bit about, you know, uh, what's it called? What are they called? Special economic zones in places affected by bushfires. Yes. Things like that. Take the opportunity to speak to your lefty friends about how 
even in a moment like this where people are calling on the government to do more and restrict us, etc., the free market does, in fact, solve everything in the whole world. There we go. Not so everything. that is the economic angle of coronavirus. Yep. Now I want to talk to you about the health side. And I know Ooh. people do not tune in for health, but so we've got Wash Dark Mofo cancelled, which I know you are just up in arms about. Yeah. You're very sad. Uh, March Madness, something close to my heart, college basketball tournament. There's not going to be any fans in the stadiums. They're yep. just going to play it in front of teammates and family members, which is huge considering how big that is. Uh, there's like AFL games are going to be playing in empty stadiums. Tennis tournaments have got cancelled. Are you scared? Am I scared of what? Just coronavirus in general. I'm not scared of coronavirus in general because uh, it's, its mortality rate is like 1% to 3% and it's, you know. It's and I don't think any human disease can kill you. I think you've like transcended to a higher level of being. For, I mean, potentially. I'm it scared. can slow you down, but it won't kill you. I guess you're scared for your folks. Like, yeah. Because my parents are sort of, you know, just getting up to their 70s, which is not quite the, the most vulnerable zone, but, you know, old people. But I'm scared about the impact it's potentially going to have on the... Uh, economy and you know there's talk of the Grant Institute for example called for sending you know the whole country home um, yeah. for a couple of weeks have you got a contingency like plan for that I need to fix my laptop if, I'm, if that's going to happen <laughs> well, because are you going to be able to do that <laughs> it is that in the shop at the moment all oh, right so once I sort that out but the other my housemate works at the Alfred so well, if anyone's anyway. going to get it yeah yeah <laughs> I think half the office who listen to this podcast like I reckon we should send Pete home yeah. for a while look just yeah well it's sort of an advertisement to the powers that pay <laughs> give Pete two weeks off Oh, yeah, four weeks. Let's, let's make sure of it. Anyway, but no, you'll so work from home you, and you'll you work st- very hard. Uh, I've been starting to load up the Netflix queue. Just like, okay, yeah. let's really think critically about this. What do we want to watch? What are we not going to get around to watching unless I'm home for two weeks with the coronavirus? Mm. So The Americans, The Wire, and suggestions welcome. James M. Bolt on Twitter. Send me things to watch because I need it. Because yeah. uh, Walking Dead, I'm nearly finished. Uh, now... So that's coronavirus. Yep. Uh, the other thing we want to talk to, unless you've got anything more about coronavirus no, no, you want to say, is that Joe Biden is going to be the Democratic nominee, basically confirmed, unless something outrageous happens. Mm. And you know what? It could. Uh, but yeah. he won Michigan this week. It's all over. He's over 99% on 5.38 to take out the Democratic nominee, uh, despite the fact he's a million years old. So, Pete, what are your thoughts? Yeah, we'll get into how old he is later on, and there's some really juicy he clips. Is old. Yeah, he's 4,000 <laughs> 4, years old, yeah. at least. Uh my thoughts are, so, okay, the Swampers won, right? So it was the Swamp versus Socialism and the Swampers won. And the part of me goes, a little part of me goes, oh, that's the Swamp's not as bad as Socialism. You know, that's good. But is the Swamp as bad as Socialism? Maybe it would be better for America to have Socialism for four years and then burn the Swamp to the ground, if that's possible, uh, and start again rather than the swamp, which is this insidious, pervasive thing that you could never really beat. Yeah. Well, like that was kind of the appeal of the Trump in 2016 was like burn mm. the whole thing to the ground yeah. and it's still kind of there. So mm. there's only so like on that perspective, it's like, could, could Bernie really do it? For yeah. me, it's like, we'll get into specific examples in the quiz and later in the show about evidence that Joe Biden is a million years old. Mm. But the concept of like Joe Biden being a million years old versus socialism, it's like, Okay, so which one would you have preferred out of Joe Biden where, you know, maybe he's not the aggressor in the room and he's just sort of told, all right, here's what you say this week, or Sanders, who you at least know what he's going to say, but it's absolutely terrifying. So who would you have rather had? I think for those four years, someone useless is better than someone dangerous. But what, like, but you at least know with Sanders who's in charge, but Joe, you'd just be like, who's who's in his ear right oh, now? Oh, the Clintons or the Swamp. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's, that's the devil case. Devil you know or devil you don't. Well, well, I don't know. I don't know. Because yeah. but, but I'm, I'm like, socialism might be, like, do you know, like, might be a bit of an accelerationist in this regard. Like, things have to get worse before they get better. Potentially. I'm just floating this up the flagpole. Go. That's it. I've floated oh, no. it. <laughs> it's, it's floated. <laughs> it's been floated. Yeah, no, I think, I think deep down you'd just go with the establishment figure. You know you're going to get the normal crap. Yeah. At least you know what's coming. Sanders could stuff up the whole of America. Well, I mean, you would stuff up the whole of America, yeah. which might then stuff up the whole world. So maybe you don't mess with that. But yeah, because like a swamp creature like experiment. Biden would just be like slightly less good America. Like this, yeah. like this still would be the upward trajectory. It just wouldn't be mm. as good. But Sanders is like, that could take decades. That could take yeah. genuine decades to undo. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think if I literally was down to Peter Gregory, and maybe it should be, uh, I would choose Sanders. <laughs> Not Sanders, Secret the other one. Movie What's name? Biden. Uh, Biden. All right, sweet. Uh, so, yeah, we'll get into some more specifics on that, but we should get into the heroes and villains. Yeah. This is the Grunt the Pig Freedom Snort. <laughs> Uh, people that have stood up for heroism, for uh, liberty and freedom around the world this week. Pete, who is your hero? My hero this week, and we, I think we've done them before, we've definitely talked about them before, is the NT News. Now, they had a great uh, little feature in their newspaper. They had 
they have some great headlines over the years, and I put a few on my Insta the other day because that too, was Pixel City, by the way. They're a bit too spicy <laughs> for the show, but uh, anyway, I'll get into it. So, in the midst of all the dunny paper panic, the NT News in Darwin last week published an eight-page insert designed purely as a for, as a as a backup for people who run out of toilet paper. They were designed to use it in that way instead of read it. So how good is that? NT News editor Matt Williams said it was certainly not a crappy edition. Oh, oh there we go. On your willow. Uh, you're going to say we are a newspaper known around the world who understands the need of our, needs of our readers. Territorians are in great need of toilet paper right now, so we had to deliver what they needed. So I'm going to run through a few of the headlines. Pete oh, flying in the face of coronavirus right there by licking his finger as he turned a page. Is that a thing? Oh, that's a thing. Oh, yeah. did you see that clip? For the, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, Audible yeah. clips. <laughs> Well, I will uh, refrain from doing that in the future. So I'm just going to run through a few of these headlines the NT News have had over the years. What used this? Back in 2013, the Pugitive Rebel Bikey Flees Cops lands face first in pile of manure in 2010. It's a bad day. In 2010. Yeah, it's not a bad day. <laughs> That's a bad day. Uh, topless heroin puts out hotel fire. And then the subtitle is once she had the blaze under control, she put, she got her bikini top under control. Is that necessary to mention that? NT I, News? That's just, she just, you know, she's a hero and you're mentioning that. Uh, also in 2010, and this is my favorite, sexy granny drought. All right. If there's any listeners still on this podcast, I assure you the rest of the show improves. Check <laughs> is there out. any job more fun in the world than the NT News front page editor? Ah, that's that a lot is of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. I, I think they said they weren't doing them anymore. Based on my research for this, they said they're not, they've sort of, not going to do the silly headlines anymore. Why not? I don't That's know. the one thing you do well. It's like the, the they're world famous basket. for it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, if you want to check out more of those, they might be, they're in my stories, peter.j.gregory.7. Yes. They might be finished by now, but have a look. Uh, <laughs> your knowledge of Instagram, unrivaled. Mm. Uh, my other question for you was like, uh, is there a selection of articles that you are, you click on any, what, is there anything you click on faster on a Friday afternoon than best NT news headlines? Uh Trying to think. There's a few Instagram accounts that I follow. Yeah. But I can't remember what they're called. Like just, you know those ones where you just want to binge. You don't want to check them every day. You just want to binge sort of yes. 20 in a row. Drunk people doing things. Yeah, That's stuff my number like one. Right. Grand Cardigan. Okay. Uh, my hero this week is the Carrying Your Lakes Lifestyle Village. Preface this at the start of the show. Uh, this is, oh, yeah. sometimes you wonder if Australia's up for the fight against the United States. Sometimes you wonder <laughs> if people really want to be free. Yeah. I mean, we've had, you know, Melbourne shut down a Liam Gallagher concert. We've had lockout laws. They are repealed, but they still were there. Do people want to party? Mm. Yes, they do. So a party held at Carrying Up Lakes Lifestyle Village, all people community, uh, had to be shut elderly. down. Elderly community. Uh, <laughs> for being PC about it. That, uh, they had to be shut down by the local council on the weekend due to multiple noise complaints. Oh. <laughs> multiple. So 90 people are at the event, made up of oh. residents of the village and adjoining neighbours. There was a live band and... The police come. They say there's a noise complaint. The party continues. <laughs> the cops can't <laughs> shut it down. So the police have to come back. Then the party gets shut down. But random kick as the uh, party organizer told 6BR Radio, kick-ons happened until 1.30 in the morning. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just glad that there's still people out there flying the flag saying up you to the noise cancelers out there and just uh, partying on. Who are these absolute whatever you want to call them, yep. who live next door to a nursing home and they're having a big party and ringing the police. Exactly. Like, what, how does that make you feel? No, <laughs> good on them for standing up for themselves. I'm too old to worry about, you know, turning down the noise, mate. So. And, well, she said you're too old to, what is it? You, you, life's too short to feel old. Yeah, what was the, that's cute. That's very good. So, yeah. you know, good on them. paving the way for the rest of Australia. Good All right, so uh, over to villains now. Now, Pete, uh, you'll set up the villains for us. I've got to staple my pages together because I lose my mind. All right, so, oh, the villains. You yeah, have of course. three pages in front of you. So uh, Josh is going to roll the tape. Extinction Rebellion protests enter their sixth day. That is uh, footage of Extinction Rebellion back in October uh, of a fake nudie run. They said they were going to do a nudie run to save the planet. Uh, that was not a nudie run. So... Uh, they are what we name our um, villain of the week after. James, who have you got? Um, my enemy this week is Twitter enemy. slash people t trying – enemy of villain this week. <laughs> oh, personal like enemy. enemy because I stay up for heroes. So yeah. these people are my enemy and my villain. So yeah. it is Twitter slash people that try way too hard on International Women's Day. Now, okay. it's not International Women's Day in general. I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, when's International Men's Day? I'm not that fragile. But there are a lot of people out there that try way too hard yeah. on International Women's Day to be popular. And this year – Twitter takes it out because Twitter t just tweeted out, not today, men. <laughs> so that's Twitter itself. That's Twitter itself. Twitter's account. Not today, men. 
Well done, Twitter. <laughs> That's very nothing like, flies a flag of International Women's Day like using the word men. That's very trolly. That's like that's very incelly. Yeah, yeah. It's that's like what I think. Incels, but yeah. yes. Uh, but um, nothing is ever going to beat uh, Guy Verhofstadt, uh, very senior member of the European Union, who last year put out something that just will boil your blood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's on screen now. Uh, he tweeted out, that's a spirit, you go girls, and then posted up a meme that he probably saw and chuckled at. He asked me, what's your favourite position? I said CEO. Guy, you're a creep. That is so creepy. <laughs> Why, yeah. What possible way do you hit send on that tweet? Just just as a bit of background, this guy's like a middle-aged EU bureaucrat. Yes. You know, just to uh, give you a pain of Talking about picture. swamp creatures before. This is the yeah. swampiest of creatures. And he's a weirdo. Yeah. So... Uh, He's got the two for it for me. Yeah. All right, Pete, who is your villain? And who's like, who enjoys their work better than sex? Like, come on. You know, best things in life are free, mate. <laughs> Bolt is absolutely, for the first time it's ever. Just, it's just one of those ones where you're like, what? I want to support Pete because he's my co-host and, you know, this thing <laughs> exists is. on yes anding and uh, improv and then I've got to stay employed. What's your favourite position, CEO? Come on. Anyway, <laughs> uh, what are we up to? My villain. Okay. Your villain. Uh, <laughs> save this. You can save it. Speaking of uh, controversial positions, my oh my villain <laughs> is Scott, Scott Cam, National Careers Ambassador for eighteen months. He's getting paid three hundred forty-seven thousand dollars. Now we talked about this on the podcast a few weeks ago. He's had a bit of a run-in with uh, on Sky this week. There was this interview uh, that will play right now. Actually, would you tell me how much you you earn, please? I don't get paid by taxpayers. Well, I, I, I'm getting paid by taxpayers at the moment for this, for this. But uh, I mean, it seems to be that my my uh, financial affairs, uh, uh, you know, I don't work for the government as such. I'm not a politician. So yes, Scott, uh, it is our business how much you get paid. So that was uh, very funny, and it, I couldn't play the whole interview. But the whole thing goes through. You know, uh, it, it turns out he's only seen one public appear. He's done one public appearance in five months. The journal goes, oh, well, why don't you? Uh, uh, how, how can we have no more? And he goes, oh, in a really patronising way. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know if, you've, if you haven't done your research, but, you know, TAFE's are on holiday at the moment. For five months? Yeah. <laughs> well, and she goes, well, why don't you just start the contract now? Then? And he's like, ah, because it started five months ago. Anyway, so she makes him look like an idiot. She grills him on his plans and he clearly doesn't know what his plans are. Yeah. Uh, I like this because obviously it's swampy and, you know, 350 grand for something we don't need. Uh, and also, this guy marches around the block and he likes to sort of throw his weight around, be the big tough guy. Yep. So it's good to see him kind of put on the back foot, you know. He didn't like it. He didn't like being questioned. Mm. And uh, the other thing about saying this... saying he's too alpha for you. You like seeing him brought down a bit. Yeah, I like not having anything... You're just I like, intimidated I like by to him. watch from the sidelines while he's brought down and have nothing <laughs> to do with it. No. And so uh, the other thing of this was he didn't even come prepared to this interview, right? So that, no. This, this is not Speaking of people that didn't do their homework. Yeah, exactly right. He, he could have come into this interview and given a really good thing about TAFE places, but he just goes, oh, look, I'm here to say TAFE's good... Don't have to go to uni. Like, give some stats, mate. Yeah. Give me some stats, you know. Think about, you can earn a lot of money being a, you know, being a tradie, blah, 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 blah. You, you, know, you don't get postmodern crap at TAFE, you know. You just get to learn how to be an electrician. Whatever it was, he could have done a much better job. Uh, ironically, though, f- even though he's a swamp creature, now we're having all this publicity, though, about TAFE places. So maybe this is... Maybe this is part of it. Part of it all Stay woke. Anyway, uh, Scott well, Cam. Sorry, Scott Cam has pocketed $145,000 already mm. and skills department officials told Senate Estimates last week that he appeared in three videos, <laughs> four social media posts and put a profile on a government website. And he wouldn't now, be doing that. He wouldn't be doing the posts. No, he, well, he's still in them. So, you know, that's $145,000 yeah, okay. right there. Fair but enough. My offer to the government still stands. I believe I made this last time. For $145,000, I will promise you five social media posts. Yeah. That sounds like a good deal. That is 20% more than he's giving you. Ball is in your court. And sometimes, you know, like you can say, here's Scott Cam, this success, but also a cautionary tale can be a real motivator. You know, don't end up like us. Don't. (laughs) Look at this guy. Look at this podcast host. If there is a zombie apocalypse tomorrow, this man would be first to go. Yeah. And if he had a TAFE course, there might be saving it. If you had a bit of plumber, you'd have three investment properties by now. Yes. So, I went uh, zombie apocalypse, you went <laughs> sound savings, just to yeah. give you a flavour of what we do in our spare time. Oh, All right, sweet. Uh, that is it for the start of the show. We've yeah. now got James Patterson and we've got the quiz. 
Okay, we now welcome back onto the show good friend of the Young yep. IPA podcast and the IPA in general, Senator James Patterson. Uh, welcome back. Thank you. Good friend of the IPA podcast is one of my career ambitions. So <laughs> yeah. thank you for bestowing and, that upon you. Know, you've achieved so much in such a little time, but you've already achieved the big goals. That so is the one. I don't know where to go from here. But where to from now? So we got a lot we need to talk to you about. We've got coronavirus stuff. We've got university stuff. We've got uh, QUT and Generation Liberty stuff. But the first thing we want to ask you is I've got a quote here from The Age back in August 2013. Uh, with him is 25-year-old communications manager James Patterson. This is back when you were at the IPA, a smooth-skinned, word-perfect free market warrior. Then cut it to 29th of February 2020. Uh, you were again described as the age as the smooth-faced liberal senator from Victoria. What is this skincare regime? Uh, it is elaborate. Yeah, uh, it yeah. is secret. Uh, it is classified. Damn. Uh, and uh, unless I unless and until I need to fall back on it as a marketing uh, gimmick. Yes. Uh, in which case it will be available for all. Okay. Fair go. enough. Well, we'll look forward to the tell-all book. If you get turfed out at the next exactly, election, I, can, I will yeah, launch a skincare regime. That's, that's the second way. <laughs> that like you know, <laughs> yeah, skincare with Patterson. Yeah. I like it. I reckon there's got all right. Uh, but let's talk about it because uh, everyone's you know reading up about coronavirus as a new. Uh, doctor's report coming out every three minutes about like whether or not we should be uh, scared. We now have someone from Parliament itself. Should I be scared? There are some really sober, sensible people who are saying it's very serious. And so I think the best thing we can do is to take it very seriously. And hopefully we're wrong. Hopefully we overestimate the seriousness of it and it doesn't turn out to be as bad as we fear. But I'd much rather that than the alternative, which is un to underestimate the severity and then be surprised on the upside. Uh, so I, I think we kind of have to be really cautious in everything we do from a you know government, from a public policy point of view, but also just individuals from their own personal hygiene and safety have to be really cautious. So I, I shook your hand when you turned, in, turned up, James, so I apologise for that. I no, and it's a real oversight on my part because Andrew Bolt, I see, has been advocating fist bumps as an alternative no, he hasn't. to handshakes. He did. Oh, I need a closer eye on him. Yep. Uh, it was in an editorial about a week ago and I was watching and I thought, I'm going to do a fist bump next time I see Andrew Bolt. Right. There you go. That's the thing. So, so you're hearing from sober people about how – not sober people, so like people that are not drunk. But Who yeah. were sober. also sober. Yeah. They, they were sober in two different means of the world. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. As far as I know, the chief medical officer does not drink during the day, okay. which I think Australian people will be reassured to hear. That really. is great to hear. So, but what are – like I don't know how much you're allowed to share, but what are the worst-case scenarios – well, there's, there's lots of kind of scary forecasts out there mm. of the percentage of the population that could ultimately be infected and therefore the mortality rate and the impact on the health system. Uh, all the stuff that I have access to, you have access to as well. It's okay. pretty public. It's on Twitter. Uh, and it's, and the, one of the good things about this is that the experts, the scientists who are specialists in this, epidemiologists, epidemiologists in particular, are uh, sharing as much as they know as soon as they know it. So there's a lot of stuff out there that's pretty accurate, I think. So uh, would you say that people hoarding toilet paper, is that the same as people calling for a ban on coal exports? Uh, that's explain kind of, the that's connection. That's the line I've been <laughs> But I can overreact. I saw this in the questions. Not I was like, I think I need paid on air to discuss It's not going to solve the, the problem. It's not, you know, like it's an overreaction. That, I see your point. Yeah, that is a good point. Yeah, I think we definitely shouldn't ban coal exports and we also shouldn't um, unnecessarily hoard toilet paper. It's just like, because you see a lot of people on Twitter like laughing at the poor, stupid people hoarding toilet paper. And it's like, yeah, but you guys said all this stuff was going to happen because of Brexit and all this stuff is going to happen because, you know, anyway, that's and, my point. And the actual serious <laughs> point is there are some people in our community who cannot afford to stockpile because they're on fixed incomes and they have no savings and they need to go to the supermarket to get just their own personal current needs of toilet paper mm. and because other people have gone and bought 50 million rolls of toilet paper they literally can't get it like that is actually a problem that is yeah. really stupid behavior that people have caused you know real problems for other people all right uh, i want to talk about uh so there's this idea that's coming out now that there's going to be a stimulus package as far as the coronavirus goes now we don't know the full details of it and so we won't get you to comment on that until we know what like is in it but how about instead of a stimulus package there's also like uh, tax breaks and like special economic zones and stuff like that if we went the other way yeah i mean my view is that we should uh use the opportunity uh to set up the australian economy to be as strong as possible for when we do bounce back as as we know that we will uh, even if this is bad we will get through this and on the other side of this it'd be good to have in place some long-term things which add to the productivity and prosperity of our economy so um, now is the right time i think to talk about uh, what things we can do to 
take limits and controls off the economy to lessen the burden of government on the economy uh, and get them investing again and hiring people and creating good jobs. And so when you think about, so we talked about after the bushfires, you know, when, when something like this happens, there's always, you know, Scott Morrison's got to spend some money, blah, blah, mm. blah. After the bushfires, there are actually calls from John Roscombe, maybe we should uh, have special economic zones where people are trying to rebuild, uh, reduce the regulatory burden and things like that. How do we change the conversation when something bad happens to that direction as opposed to let's we need to spend some money? It's a really good point because if you think about a, a regional tourism operator who's been impacted by the fires, they've just opened a new restaurant or some kind of activity for people. Uh, there's nothing, there's there's really not a lot that government can do to help them in the long term. What they need in the long term is pe- business, businesses and individuals to return to their communities mm. and to frequent their businesses. Now, the, now there's no, nothing the government can do to pass a law to force you to do that. What we need to provide is as many private sector-led, uh, you know, genuine economic growth opportunities as possible for these people. So uh, I think already people's minds are going to be turned to that very soon. Once you get past the immediate crisis of, in this case, the bushfires, we need long-term sustainable private sector businesses in these communities in order for them to be viable. Uh, I want to talk about uh, something that uh, definitely could do with a bit more private sector, and that is universities, because you uh, the other day said they've been warned for years that they are over-reliant on the Chinese market because they've oh, come yeah. uh, hand in what is it? What is it? Uh, hat in hand or whatever they're saying. Mm. It's but they've come. They've come begging to the government for some money for themselves because uh, of coronavirus having an effect on them. And uh, what, what was your take on that? So universities receive seventeen billion dollars a year from taxpayers okay. already, uh, and. Many years ago, they decided to bet really big on the international student market and particularly in that within that international student market to the Chinese student market. Some universities, about 50% of their international students come from China alone. Now, even if we had no issues at all, as I do and on, on the public record with the Chinese Communist Party, just from a business point of view, putting all your eggs in one basket is risky. And while they've been increasing their student numbers and while public funding has either uh, been increased or, or has been consistent, uh, they've spent the proceeds of that boom in a lot of cases on hiring lots of new staff, on paying themselves higher wages or on uh, extraordinary building uh, booms around the inner city. So Melbourne University, for example, and Sydney University, for example, have been buying up basically any piece of real estate next to their campuses. Now, that's a very risky strategy to do when you are reliant, when all your eggs are in one basket. And now those chickens are coming home to roost. Uh, they are going to have a, a disrupted student income this year at the very least, and who knows how long that will last. My view is they've made risky decisions. They were warned against that as recently as the middle of last year when a report was issued by our, our friends at the Centre for Independent Studies where they said, you are overly reliant, you need to reduce it. And when that, that report was released, they said, oh, it's fake news, we're not over-reliant, it's completely fine, we could get weather any downturn. Well, now's the opportunity for them to demonstrate that they can weather a downturn without any taxpayer bailout. I also love the hypocrisy of them going, uh, <laughs> we need absolutely no government interference on what goes on in our universities from like, uh, you know, just what we research and what we teach, but we do want money for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I find that's a you know, very closely related debate, which is that university, most universities think that having either the Bjorn Longborg Centre a few years ago being on campus would have been an outrageous threat to academic freedom, that having a Paul Ramsey Centre for Western Civilization on campus would be an outrageous threat to academic freedom, but a Confucius Institute funded by the propaganda department of the Chinese Communist Party, oh, all fine, no problems there. We'll happily take it. That's literally the equation that many universities have made. Yep. Sure. All right, uh, I want to move on to another one. So when you're in Canberra, when you're at Parliament, where do you get your coffee? Uh, I, sometimes from Aussies, uh, which is the uh, private sector provider within yeah. Parliament The freedom House. coffee. Keyword, sometimes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm not a big coffee guy, to be honest. I don't get it that often. But occasionally I get it from uh, where I know you're going next, which is the <laughs> coffee cart. Yeah, the coffee cart, uh, which was my villain in the show last week. They, uh, I've, It's now been upgraded, uh, according to the report I just read, to $420,000 of taxpayer monies because oh, you, know, you just need to uh, round it up to four twenty when you can. But the point is... How do they get $420,000 of taxpayer money when everyone, apart from yourself in Parliament, drinks coffees all the time? Well, yeah, I mean, apparently they're going to make the money back in record time because they sell so many coffees. <laughs> I'll, I'll be looking forward to seeing the accounting statements that demonstrate that that's true. Uh, but actually, the Department of Parliamentary Services, which managed this, um, have proudly told us in Senate estimates last week that, in fact, the construction came in under budget. The quantity surveyor that gave them the estimate was was forecasting it would cost $500,000. So we should be pleased right, it's yeah. coming under budget. Yes, a quick round of applause for them. Now, Evan Mulholland, uh, Director of Communications here at the IPA, friend of yours, friend of the show, uh, has admitted that the publicly funded coffee carts are better 
than the privately funded ones. So does this make Evan a Stalinist? I haven't done a taste test myself personally or not one that I was kind of conscious of anyway, so I'm not sure. That's a really good question. But is prefer- preferring publicly funded coffee over privately funded coffee, does that just diminish Evan in your eyes as oh, it did for us? I mean, I, I didn't hold him in a very high esteem to begin with, <laughs> so uh, it's hard to diminish him any further, but um, sorry, Evan, if you're listening. Uh, nah, he's a fallen hero to me. I don't know even if we like, he sort of said that to me in private, so I'm not sure even if we're allowed to put that in the show, but there you go, Evan. Never t- it's always on the record with me, Evan. <laughs> All right. So one more for Pete the put it in the questions. Yeah. Now, we've seen Chris Decker from Generation Liberty has taken the QUT mm. Student Guild to the Queensland Human Rights Commission for discrimination on the basis of his political beliefs. What's your take on that? And don't you think that shows Generation Liberty is more important than ever? Well, I mean, question <laughs> it's appalling what is happening on many of our university campuses yeah. and Generation Liberty is experiencing what liberal students on campus have experienced mm. for a long time, which is these are uh, places in the world which are very hostile to even moderately centre-right ideas. Um, frankly, moderately left of centre ideas are pretty hostile, uh, treated in a pretty hostile way on campus. Part of it is the student unions which end up getting run by the only people who show up and have an interest in student elections, which has 5 to 10% turnout, which is pretty extreme socialist. But the other part actually is university administrators themselves, which have been pretty hostile to different ideas being aired on campus. And we've seen that whether it's from people wanting to go to speak at campus and getting charged outrageous security fees or outrageous venue hire fees uh, to this QUT example. So uh, pretty extraordinary and disappointing behaviour from QUT. And do you, and what, it sort of goes back to that point you were saying about, you know, the propaganda wing of the Chinese government has a presence on our university mm-hmm. campuses, but not kids trying to hand out stickers about low taxes and things like that. Yeah, or God forbid, um, talking about old books and uh, yeah. what they possibly <laughs> teach us for today. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Now, would you say this is like uh, worse than when you're at uni or better? I think I thought it was pretty bad when I was there, but I think it's definitely got worse. Uh, what we didn't have as much of when I was at uni, we had the general kind of left-wing worldview, which was pretty hostile, but the identity politics has been supercharged in the last five years in particular. Yeah. And so when we were on campus, we were, of course, always accused of being homophobic, sexist and racist and war criminals and all those other things because we like John Howard and we like George Bush and those sorts of things. But now um, it, I think it's got a real sharp tone to it, which is you, know, you are doing mental health damage to your fellow students just by airing your opinions on campus. We we generally didn't face those accusations when I was at university, which yeah. is not that long ago. Yeah, because I'm like five years away from uni and I remember like back at the time, like I wasn't a member of the Melbourne Uni Liberal Club, uh, but like no one was actually calling for them to be disbarred from campus mm-hmm. or thrown out. It was yep. just like, oh, they're just over there. Yeah, exactly. We don't talk to them. That's right. I'm about five years out of uni as well, James. <laughs> and um, I was wondering, so you mentioned that change. I think you're still at uni, technically. <laughs> actually, that's right. I technically still have uni. So you guys are so old and past it. But um, so is that, do you think social media plays a role in that? Because you would have had social media, I reckon, when you were around at uni, but maybe it's sort of changed a bit since then. It's definitely accelerated all of it. It's made it much more personal and much more vindictive and made it much more immediate. Uh, we we started to get Twitter on campus when I was around. We started to get Facebook on campus, yeah. but it wasn't super active and uh, was really kind of only in its infancy. Now everyone's got it. And, uh, and you know, if you're campaigning in a student election, you basically should assume you're being filmed on someone's phone and it's being uploaded to TikTok or Snapchat or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So it's very public in the way it wasn't before. And one of the very sad disturbing instances of this in recent times was that student at the University of Queensland um, who it appears ended his life as a result of kind of online cyberbullying that stemmed out of a, a incident on campus. I mean, that is that should demonstrate to everyone the seriousness of this and the consequences of this. The online hate mobs that go after people when they transgress, when they sin, is uh, very, very um, brutal. Yeah, because, like, uh, especially with social media, you're so much more aware of what everyone else is doing. So back in, you know, uh, I know Pete's still there, so I can't say back in Pete's day, but back in my day, back in your day, if there was, like, a meeting that another side of politics wouldn't have liked. They would never have known what goes on, but some people can comment on it and some people can say, oh, this was a quote, and suddenly it's just everyone's talking about it and people are hounding each other. That's right, and what people seem to be very keen to do is to demonstrate their own moral uh, standing and their own worth by the positions that they publicly advocate. I mean, it's been called virtue signalling, but essentially what you're just trying to do is demonstrate to your peers that I'm like you, I've got good values like you, and the way that I prove that is by demonising someone else who's done something and really piling in on them. And I'll I'll get lots of likes on my Facebook post or lots of retweets on Twitter if I really jump in and I'm the hardest and the first to do it on whoever the victim of the day is. Yeah, I just read, like, the coddling of the American 
American Mind, Jonathan Hayden, Greg Lukianoff, of which everyone should absolutely read. James Reid's everyone. Awesome. Yeah, got a problem. Uh, <laughs> so awesome book though. And one of the things they talk about is there's this, you know, there's the, the there was this tribe that was discovered, and the way that they became like the way the kids would become a man in this tribe is they had to go out, kill someone from another tribe, bring back their head. Like that was a literal way that you mm. became a man. And you just think like, how different is it now that in order to be an accepted member of like the in- intelligentsia, you need to bring the head of someone who's transgressed yeah. on social media and just say, look who I got deplatformed or look who I got fired. Right, from that's right. Something I found on Twitter. And, and and that book in Jonathan Haidt's work has changed my view on social media a bit. When social media was in, in its infancy, I was kind of instinctively defensive about mm-hmm. it and saying it's a it's a really positive development. And people who are saying that you know Twitter is evil or Facebook is evil uh, are blaming the platform when they should be blaming the people on it. But the more I read and the more I understand, particularly. About the mental health damage done to young people and Jonathan Haidt's particularly strong on young women, I, I now think that the platforms themselves inherently are causing some of these problems. That's really interesting because I was like that as well. It was mm. like, no, nah, how can this be bad? This is just like the printing press. It's mm. spreading ideas. What's wrong with that? And we had the Arab Spring, remember? And it was like, oh yep. my God, democracy's flowering in the Middle East because of Facebook. Uh, so you're now, because I'm sort of still slightly in that view, I still think the positives outweigh the negatives, but he's maybe more the other way saying negatives outweigh the positives I think it's a line ball call sadly yeah. um, because I was yeah very positive about it initially what I liked about it is it democratised the public square yeah. that the old gatekeepers who were newspaper editors or radio or television show producers who controlled what could be and couldn't be discussed in the public square mm-hmm. um, lost their power and instead that went to it was dispersed to people and your local podcasters for example yeah exactly and inherently philosophically I'm still attracted to that idea because I think that is inherently more democratic and open in a free society but uh, they, they did play a useful role in some respect and they kept some of the worst things out of the public square um, that are now uh, very free to be shared and can be shared very widely and, in, as it turns out, cause real harm. So is there like a public policy angle to the fear or is it just like, oh, this isn't good? Yeah, well, that's the, the real uh, philosophical challenge for people like us who are you know, classical liberals and believe in small government, uh, I'm very sceptical that government regulation can solve this problem and I can't even begin to think what regulation you would design to address this problem uh, that wouldn't have also many other negative effects. Yeah. So it's a really challenging one. Um, I would like to see the platforms take more responsibility for what they um, what they share on their own platforms. I don't, I don't, I'd much rather that they do it themselves and government do it for them. Yeah, but it's one of those ones where like with teenagers, they'll beat any any like sort of censorship they'll just find the new app to share it like tiktok could you, we had tiktok now there's just going to be another tiktok which is even wilder than what was posted on tiktok early days yeah that's right the, the barriers to entry particularly for an individual app maker are, are incredibly low and that's really positive that's led to a lot of flourishing of new technology and new services uh, i think the responsibility is really born at that higher level by the curators of those platforms uh, i can't download anything on my iphone that apple doesn't make available on their store so really I expect Apple to do more to protect uh, me and the community from things that they think um, are going to be harmful. Yeah, so basically like from Apple's perspective as well, it's like they don't want people downloading things that are going to cause them to self-harm. So exactly. that look bad for Apple. They, that, don't, they might not need government to come in. I would hope not. They, wouldn't want, they shouldn't want their users to have a bad user experience using their devices. They should want them to have a good experience. And so, you know, we've got to be careful here because I don't really want them to take a too paternalistic view about this either. And how we define harm is... is you know, people have very different ideas about what that constitutes. Some people would say, you know, hate speech is constitutes harm and therefore we shouldn't be allowed to have any free speech and that's obviously not my view. Um, but if I was running a company like Apple, I'd be thinking, particularly for the young people that use my products, how do I make sure that they have a safe and enjoyable experience so that they continue to be my customers? Yeah, for sure. I remember in like 2006, my friend showed me MySpace and Facebook and she was like, how good's this? And I was like, why would you want your phone on the internet? <laughs> How wrong was I? Yeah, yeah. that's well. I that's it would never like- take off. This is the other wild one where everyone gets so concerned about like how much the government knows about you, but are so happy for <laughs> like Facebook yes, and Twitter and know everything. Yeah, our intelligence agencies have never had an easier task. <laughs> it's just amazing. All right, uh, Senator James Patterson, as always, a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for having me, guys. Thanks, Matt. All right, we got another round of the Young IPA quiz. Mm. A good panel, a young panel. Yeah, a bit of youth, <coughs> bit of youth. What? what? You always say it with the F. Yes. I don't know why. Just how I say it. That's how you say it. All right. Sorry. We've got Adam Schlicht. Welcome G'day. back. We've got Theodora Pandelich from Generation Liberty. Welcome Hello. back. Thank and we've got the Roof Seal himself. With his crown on. <laughs> now, we've got a few things we need to plug before we start. Uh, so, Theodora, talk, talk to us about this book club. 
Yep, so this year Generation Liberty is running its first ever book club. We're going to be reading eight books over the next eight months. If you're a Generation Liberty member, you should have received your free copy of Heart of Darkness in And why the mail. did we start with Peter Gregory's autobiography? <laughs> yeah, that's a zinger, that's a zinger. Sitting on that one for 20 minutes. There's, just, there's a lot that can be learned, all right? You finally the longest 20 minutes of my life. You yeah, finally, yeah. Yeah, finally get to it. All right, yeah. but yes, Generation Liberty, Heart of Darkness. Yeah, so um, keep an eye out for your free copy of this. We'll be hosting in person and meetings at campuses in every state around Australia. Um, follow us on Instagram at Generation Liberty IPA. Tag us in photos of your books. Um, and yeah, we'll be running lots of cool giveaways, yeah. hosting discussions online, as well as the in-person discussions. Because I believe, cool. Theodora, if I can do that, you know, when the presenter's like slightly in on it, I believe, Theodora, if you tag the photo of your book, you go in the draw to win some pretty cool prizes. Yes, if you tag us and hashtag Genlib Book Club, I think. Hashtag, Gen, hashtag Genlib Book Club and you could win some very cool prizes. Cool. And Adam, we have got some Vox Pops coming up. Yeah, Michael Reporter. Park. We have uh, Gloria Alvarez yep. coming in. She's in Australia now, which is pretty cool. Um, you may have seen our events. Yep. So um, she's going to be in Melbourne and we're going to do some Vox Pops. So Keep your eyes out. Very Keep your cool. eyes peeled for Adam if you want to get your face on the internet. Yes, <laughs> Adam, the roving reporter. All right, so we've got nine questions. One point on for correct answers, one point off for incorrect Let's answers. Go. Got a who am I at the end. Come on. Starting off. Use. Okay, which of the following did Joe Biden not do oh, in the last fortnight? He's had a big fortnight. No, he's had a big <laughs> fortnight. So which of these did he not do? Called God, you know the thing. <laughs> uh, said we need to elect, re-elect Donald Trump. Claimed gun crime had killed 150 million people since 2007 in oh. the US and claimed his child tax credit plan would put 720 million women back to work in the US. <laughs> I TP. didn't hear that one. TP. Sorry? The last one. Is incorrect. Oh. He did say that. The way you described God as like, you know, the thing, yep. that's like quite a metaphysical way of like sort of discussing. Maybe it's not as stupid as we thought. I think, well, if you watch the clip, he goes like, we are one nation under... You know, the thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, how do you describe God? I, I can see where it's coming from. Do so you just give away that? <laughs> do you have an answer, Adam? Um, it's which one didn't he do? Which one didn't he do? Yeah. I'm going to say C. C, that uh, 150 million people had been killed by gun crime in the US in 2007. He did say that. Very good. What I'm guessed. All right. Uh, and Pete, tie us off. Which one did he not do? Which one did he not do? Yes. I thought you were saying which one... I thought you just asked what he didn't do. No, which one did he? I actually forgot what the question was. <laughs> and we happen to go on Biden for not being able to find things. Look at you three. Which one of those things that I read out did he not say yeah. over the week? The third one. Which the third one? Say? No, he did say that. Oh, did so, he not say? So he did process say, of elimination. Sorry, by process of elimination. You know what? I'm just going to skip to the answer because Pete is in. Uh, he said all of them. All of them oh. were, like, sorry, trick question. All four oh. things came uh, out of his so mouth. So you're saying we're stupid and there's no possible <laughs> and answer. I guess no, but there so. was the answer. You could say, actually, I've been across the news and I remember him saying all four of those stupid things. <laughs> James, out of that little exchange, you are definitely the stupid one. I think I'm the smartest man and the best man and the <clears throat> best person we have here. All right, uh, question two. Closest to the mark. Oh, good. One of Pete's favourites. Yeah. According to the IPA's new report by Kurt Wallace, Section 487, how activists use red tape to stop development and jobs, available at ipa.org.au. How many days have major projects been held up in court because of Section 487 of the Environmental Protection and Biodiversity Conservation Act uh, since it came into pass? Did you proof this report, Adam? Um, no, I don't think I did. Okay. I did proof one. Think it was a different one. How many days? Well, I'll go first. I'll go first. Yep. 20,000. 20,000? Interesting. Theodora? Or Adam? 400. 400? Jeez. What's, what's the middle of those two? <laughs> 12,000. Adam gets it. It's 10,100. Uh, oh, 10, now, 20,000 days in years. Oh, now, well, that's. I'll have to take funny that on you should ask Theodora. Theodora. Funny you should ask. How many years is that? Next question. Oh, my. Oh, 10,100. No. Clo again, closest to the mark. How many years is that? Great minus 100. It's like. Hold on. Uh, can I have a crack? Go have a crack. 70 years. 70? Yep. Interesting. Oh, no, that's. You're an idiot, Peter. <laughs> you're an absolute <laughs> idiot. Sorry, everyone. It's sorry. We usually call this at 4 p.m. It's 10 a.m. I can't confirm. <laughs> it's like. I can confirm. I'm not too far off. Peter said. I'm not too far off, but I'm not right. Oh, you go, Theodore. You go, you go, you go. I insist. I insist. You go, you go. It's like 28. 
Theodore? 40. It is 28. Adam oh. gets it again. Do you know what I was doing? I was actually in it in a way that I didn't realise. I was still using my 20,000 figure. Yeah. And also so still wrong. Wrong. <laughs> Even if it was 20,000, it was still wrong. And so. yet you still have the goal to have a go at Joe Biden. All right, question number four. How many airports is the Maldives opening? Roof seal. Roof seal. One. Incorrect. The thing about the Maldives airport, though, is that they say that they need all this help for climate change and yes. they're building it like on the water. Yeah. And they're opening an, a, a number of airports. Yeah. <laughs> not one. This isn't closest to the mark. This is, is not it? closest to no, the mark. No, you no, will fall How many good beats? Like 20,000? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. The answer is four. So for a country apparently under the ocean, that is a fair few amount of airports. Yeah. Now, New South Wales Police Minister David Elliott came under fire for posting on social media this week. What did he post? Roof, roof. Ooh. Roof, roof. Um, <laughs> he, he posted himself firing an illegal weapon. He did indeed, Ooh. which is one thing you don't want to do. All right, I'm not the no I'm no. not the yeah. expert of the internet, but I imagine that's not something you want to be doing. Yeah, no, nah, and he's big on the strip searches as well. Yes, yeah, said his kids. Not either, He'd not be comfortable with his kids being strip 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 searched. Yeah, that's not a lot of faith in the <laughs> and, kids. No, and how much? Well, you know they do. Uh, no, I'm not going <laughs> to. Nearly got fired. All right, uh, Bill Clinton gave an excuse for in his affair with Monica Lewinsky this week. Uh, what was it? TP. TP. Two. Alleviate stress. He had an affair too. It's anxiety. I'll pay it. Okay. Theodore gets a point. Uh, anxiety so didn't exist in the nineties, so that can't be right. So Adam's on one, and the you two are on zero. Okay, a lot of points Great. on, a lot of points off. So Adam's winning. Adam's winning. This is a big day. This is a big day. What's the note of surprise in my voice? For? Am I a bully? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> how, many, how many podcasts do we have to do? Uh, now, next question. Uh, name one of the states Joe Biden won this week. Uh, in the mini Super Tuesday, roof, roof. the end of the Sanders campaign. Michigan. Michigan is correct. Well done, Pete. And that is the big prize. Sorry, that was a one. If, if Sanders won Michigan, there was like a sliver of chance, but mm. now it's all over. Uh, all right, next up. Uh, according to a new study from the International Energy Agency. Oh, yeah, okay, here we go. <laughs> an electric car with a 400 kilometer range and charged with electricity produced at the global average, so just your standard electric car, will have to be driven how far just to pay off the highest CO2 emissions in production? Oh, okay, no, yeah. Closest to the mark. Closest to the mark. Yes. Well, Adam can go first this time. Because he, <laughs> Adam's so relieved. How many k's? <laughs> just oh. to like break even on the CO2 emissions from its production, how long do you have to drive an electric car? How many k's? Yeah. Um, let's go 300,000. 300,000? Okay. 400,000. 400,000. I, I reckon like 20,000. Stick with 20,000. <laughs> he gets it 60,000. Oh. That is still a lot. That is still a lot. You know those ones where you like say, guess what happens and someone guesses like something slightly better than what happened. You're like, oh, now I've got to disappoint them. Yeah, I thought sorry, it was a good guys. story. <laughs> All right, but Pete gets a point. Um, uh, 60,000, if you buy a car, yeah. 60,000 k's, like that's a pretty used car. That's a pretty used car. Yeah, I mean, I've never bought a car for, yeah. it's only had 60,000 on the clock, but yeah, I'll take your point. I've never had a car. Uh, Neither. What has McDonald's, final question before we get into the who am I, what has McDonald's banned in the wake of coronavirus? Um, good question. That's a very good question. I'm pretty happy with that. Thank you, Mia. Uh, oh, so Mia yeah, thought of this one, did she? Well, it was in the sheet that she gave us, so it's surprising to me. Okay. <laughs> that is surprising. Oh, TP. TP. Playing in the playground. Not playing in the playground. That is still... On the cards. Why do you think it was that? Because kids have lots of germs. Kids are germs. It is a good guess. Yeah. I stuff. think it's a good guess. Kids yeah. are dirty. Uh, just for the record, I do read everything Mia sent through. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be something reusable. Do they do uh, it? Reusable uh, Big Macs. Reusable Big Macs. <laughs> <laughs> no, reusable. That's minus reusable straws. <laughs> uh, not, straw, not straws. Reusable straws. Does anyone want to go back in? to the mark, is it? Not closest to the mark. But they would be. How there. can you do a close to the market? Jump in so again. <laughs> can I get in again? Uh, yeah, why not? Reusable plates. Not stuff? reusable plates. It's not cutlery. Not, cut, reusable not, cutlery. No, oh, Theodore, you're hemorrhaging <laughs> points. <laughs> you lose a point every time. Uh, <laughs> Adam, have you got anything for us? Or just to sit there not losing points? I'm on, win -win I'm on one point. Yeah. yeah but and <laughs> everyone else seems to be losing them pretty quickly. Yeah. So. Adam's doing the Bitcoin path of quiz <laughs> dominance. You, you <laughs> get hold in early and then you hold. Get yeah. one point. Yeah. I lost one pretty early as well, so yeah. that was a mistake. All right. Sorry, does anyone want any final guesses? No, I Okay, you're all so close. There's reusable cups. You can't bring oh. in keep cups anymore from the Oh, place. that's right. I'm going to have a bit of a, yeah. I, I didn't even rant about that earlier. Could. Sorry? I didn't know you could do no. that, Maccas. Well, as in like you can bring your keep cup in. So uh, we up to the Who Am I. I reckon still Theodora is well in the hunt because what? she is good at the Who Am I. What's the score? The, well, I'm getting to that. Okay. Uh, so Adam is on one. Peter is on one. Theodora is on negative three. So, yeah. you know, long way back, but 
All right, sorry. The who am I? Five points. I died 137 years ago this Saturday. A lot of, lot of sites. 137 years ago. 137 years ago this Saturday. Well, that's, you know, uh, 1883. Mm-hmm. So not that bad at maths, everyone. Yeah, well, um, there you go. And I don't know who that is, James. Years. Anyone? Theodore, if she guesses in the next round, can yep. equalise. And I still don't have a tiebreaker. <laughs> uh, it's three-way tiebreaker. Okay, well, I reckon... Okay, I was born in Trier, Germany. Theodore, this is your last chance. Trier. Oh, well... It can do it. <laughs> Just go. There's nothing. There's nothing to lose. There's everything to lose. I, I, I'm there's looking my, at the my quiz. Pride. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't already gone. <laughs> Trier, Germany. Trier, Germany. I don't know where that is. So. It's in it's Germany. Germany. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Damn it. Does that mean by point two seconds, and I'll never forget you? <laughs> so nothing. Nothing. I guess. Not just like. Mm. Oh, Germany. Yeah. Sorry. I was just gonna. Yeah. Okay, no, I don't know. Thinking. You know I'm gonna. This would be amazing. Bismarck? It is not Bismarck. Oh. All right, for three points, I lived off the income of others my entire life. TP. TP. Karl Marx. Karl Marx uh, is correct. So Theodora ends up on zero, but we do have a tiebreaker for... Uh, oh, my God. Adam yep. and oh, I'm going to have to answer a question. Good good guess there. Not guess, but good one, <laughs> Theodora. <laughs> Karl Marx. Did you say 137 years ago? Yes. Is that right? <laughs> anyway, we'll take away this other. Uh, yeah, tiebreaker. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm going to take a swipe right. for King D, mate. Okay. Uh, I do not have a tiebreaker question, Theodora. Perhaps you might have a question based off the week of news. Something out of the book. Has anyone read it? Oh, uh, yeah. There we go. Something from Heart of Darkness to plug the book club. So, <laughs> any. Oh, <laughs> neither of me. Okay. I've, I've got one, but I've been saying it off air the entire time. So. That's all right. Should we cut, cut and come back? I reckon. Does Theodora have one? I can think of one. Let's cut and come back. Grab the tiebreaker question. Closest to the mark, what year? Did Heart of Darkness, the first book in this book club, what year was it first published? Theodora, Ooh. I don't know myself. You're going to have to be the person that gives the answer. First published? First published in what year? Closest Heart of Darkness. Mark, Heart of Darkness. Uh, Joseph Conrad. Oh. Now, I've been to the nightclub in Phnom Penh, Heart of Darkness. Now, when did that open? For when bonus did points. that open? <laughs> <laughs> that must have opened. I'm going to say... Nine, I know when Pete started down. 78. 1978. I didn't cheat then. I just looked at the book, but it was not this one. I didn't cheat. Okay. So Pete says 1978. It's before that, isn't it? It's like Maybe. So there's <laughs> such an easy way to win this. I did actually say this before. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hold on. I did say. actually say what year it was published before when we were talking about um, Apocalypse Now. So. Now, if I say... 1977. <laughs> if you wanted to play it that way, Adam. But actually, I if you think it's to play around. It that way, do it. It's like do 18. It. I'm gonna, that is my final answer. 1977. <laughs> no! You have won, but you've won without honour. But I'm, I'm going to go. It's, it's around like 18. Isn't that 1829 or something? 1899. Uh, either way. Oh, Still if, you, if you got 1829. That would have been very close. Anyway, Adam is the winner. So congratulations, congratulations to Adam. Mate. Is this your first win on the quiz? Maybe. Maybe. I think so. All right, I reckon we'll go. So there we go. Adam, well done. We've got more show for you after this. Thanks, Theodora. Okay, uh, we are back from the quiz. Let's run through some stuff that has made us laugh this week. And we want to start off with a few Q&A clap moments. And we want an update. Sorry, just getting a few texts. I need to get rid of the phone. Uh, now, we want to start with a few Q&A claps. And yeah. we have an update on last week's Q&A clap. Matthias Corman in That's Central right. Estimates. Uh making a joke about the cars being grey instead of white mm. to because of Australia's colonial past and wanting to reflect Australia's future. Yep. Now, we speculated it might be a joke, confirmed it was a joke. Matthias, if you're listening, it should be. Mm. Uh, get better at telling jokes. He's very dry. It was he's very as, dry. He's as dry as the Simpson Desert. <laughs> there we go. See, that would be something that Matthias could have said <laughs> yeah. and that would have worked a bit better than what he did. Yep. So if we couldn't tell you were joking... You need to be better at That's right. He was saying the cars would turn, turn from white to grey because of colonialism. Indeed. Uh, but these two people were definitely not joking. These are definite nah. Q&A clap moments. So the first one uh, I want to play for you comes from MSNBC's The 11th Hour with uh, Brian Williams, the yep. host, and New York Times editorial board member Mara Gay. Oh, I didn't realise that. Now, they are talking about... Uh, I think the clip speaks for itself, but let me just set it up. They're talking about Michael Bloomberg's campaign, spending $500 million on ads, and then they speculate how it could have been solved a bit better. Now, before actually, before if this is your first Q&A clap, we should set up Q&A clap, 
you know, it's just when you're watching Q&A, and I apologize if you do, but when you're watching Q&A, someone just says something random and everyone just like starts clapping to just go, that was such a beautiful Something sentiment. inane. Yeah, some inane knee jerk. Strong and brave. Uh, strong and brave stand. Yeah. Everyone's just like, that was so brave. That was so brave. So anyway, Michael Bloomberg at $500 million. And here is uh, the incredibly brave stand that these two people on TV had to say. Bloomberg spent $500 million on ads. U.S. population, $327 million. Uh, don't tell us if you're ahead of us on the math. He could have given each American $1 million and have had lunch money left over. It's an incredible way of putting it. It's an incredible way of putting it. It's true. It's disturbing. Can I just... Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, That's some quick muffs right there. That is some very quick muffs. Uh, I, I, you know what? You go. I didn't know she was a New York Times editorial board member. Yes. We, we have... Like interviewed uh, Washington Post, what is it called? Wall Street Journal editorial board member Mary Kissel, which yes, is not relevant at all. I just show. wanted to brag. Anyway, but I <laughs> thought job. but she's in- incredibly Andrew intelligent. Yeah, yeah, she's incredibly intelligent. Yes, she really muffed this up, this woman. Uh, like, yeah, and the guy as well. Yes, uh, well, you know, it's far be it for me to point the fingers at people on the left not being good with numbers and not being good with money, but uh, it it's is just... a bad look. And because like the producer must have queued it up, like they, they queued the image up at the right. I reckon the producers were like, and they're going to make a whole lot of fun of this, aren't they? This will be a good laugh, and then oh, they will. Oh, I don't know. This is live, isn't it? This, Damn is, it. this is very live. Incredible <laughs> scenes. Oh, and it's just like so. Oh, man, that's a stimulus, though, isn't it? A million bucks for everyone. I would love a million bucks. If ScoMo's Dinkum. Hey, if Michael Bloomberg gave me a million dollars, I'd make slightly less fun of Michael Bloomberg mm. uh, publicly. Privately, you still wouldn't make fun of him, but a million dollars. Anyway. Next QA clap comes from Sadiq Khan. Another uh, just. Classic punching bag of the show. This is the Lord Mayor of London. Uh, I'm I'm giving him two Q&A claps for what he said on International Women's Day. He could have made his way into my villain this week for people that are trying way too hard on International Women's Day because here's two of his statements. So one of them is this tweet. Climate justice is an issue of gender justice too. The climate emergency affects women and girls more than anyone else. As a proud feminist, red flag already, (laughs) and describing himself as a proud feminist. As a proud feminist, it was an honour to share a stage today with Helen Pankhurst and much of women and call for deeds, not words, to save our environment. That is... Q&A clap. Can I I just... Okay. Thank you. That's a brave stand right there. He's, I, just, I love it when they roll in heaps of stuff together and yeah. it's like, you know, climate change and the coronavirus and, and Feminist. feminism and those white giraffes that are getting poached in Africa. It's hey, all that, part that of is, the same thing. That is sad. That is sad. That's what I'm saying. I, like I didn't even know they existed. So part of me I didn't know they knew they existed either. Yeah, it's one of those ones where you're like, oh, I should have known about that. Not necessarily. Oh, I, mean, I, I should like. I just feel as someone part of the world, I should have known that there are albino giraffes. It's very James Bolt to sort of like feel like this is sort of partly your fault. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm part of the problem. These two giraffes. Yeah. For those that don't know, in Kenya, uh, like are they yeah albino giraffes, yeah. really rare, got poached. Yes. Google it. We don't know. Uh, there's one it. left. Uh, now. It, Sadiq Khan went back in for another one. So uh, he's also declared that misogyny should be a hate crime. I just okay. <laughs> Sorry, Sadiq, just going um, all out there for the female vote. Hope he gets it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, look, Sadiq just Khan, really just going. Look, how good am I? How good is this male? Was that the same? Was that the same speech? Uh, not same speech, but same day. Okay. Sorry, one of them's a tweet. One of them's from a speech. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. You know, uh, no one tries to make themselves the story on International Women's Day like feminist men. That, well, they, they go all out for it. That's right. It's their big day. It is their big day. All right. So now we've got a. What have we got now? We've got the Democratic Roundup. We've That's got it, Joe yeah. Biden is a million years old. Mm. Now we had a few moments in the quiz uh, already. The 327 million people killed by guns or whatever oh, that yeah. number was. Uh, wait, I've got it over here. So yeah, he, he claims gun crime had killed 150 million people since 2007. The US population is about 400 million. That is like civil war that's, in the streets. That's bad. Level uh, tax, child tax credit plan would put 720 million women back to work. Once again, the US population is 400 million. Oh, so that is a lot of women. 330. Sorry? 330. Million. All right. Well, still, that's still Makes a whole lot worse. of women. Uh, God's, you know, the thing. We need to re-elect Donald Trump. Uh, some bad signs. Then yeah. he went down to, I mean- 2016, Democrats lose the white working class to Trump. Okay. All those states go over to him. Yeah. Uh, 
And so, you know, the Democrats, they got to win him back. So That's Donald right. Trump goes to a factory in Michigan. That is not something more white-collar, working class. Do you mean Biden? Uh, Biden goes, my bad. Biden goes <laughs> This is why you can't to, be president. Uh, well, uh, that is the reason I can't be president. Uh, Biden goes to a factory in Michigan. You think about white, working-class people. You think about blue-collar people. Yeah. These are the people you need to win back. What does Joe Biden do? Challenges someone to a fist fight. Floor of the tape. Your Second Amendment right and take away our guns. You're for shit. I support the Second Amendment. In fact, I don't think that, yeah, so that tape doesn't have him saying, let's step outside, but he did say, let's step outside. Oh, no, sorry, the exact quote before threatening, quote, to go outside with your ass. <laughs> to go outside with his ass? Yeah. <laughs> Joe, come on, mate. I reckon the rest of the body is also invited, yeah. but the ass, he wants that there. <laughs> that can be misinterpreted. <laughs> uh, the thing is, Joe, you can't be like this big, tough guy, alpha bull, you know, punishing, uh, what's it called? Challenging everyone to fights, yeah. but then having like these elderly moments where you forget the Declaration of Independence and forget that you're against Donald Trump. Yep. You know, you've got to pick one or the other. Yes. Uh, and also just like, there's going to be a day when someone takes him up on that. And that's yeah. really bad. Like that, that's the thing. Like, cause I've, I've got a fair few Bernie bro friends of mine who are very <laughs> sad. And, I'm, and I just keep saying like, there could be a moment on this campaign trail because, like, we're still okay with making fun of Joe Biden, but yeah. I am starting to feel a little like guilty about it. Just it's, going like, this is not good anymore. It's, like, it's okay. He's going for president. He's going for president, and that's fine. But these are bad. Yeah, these, these are like legitimately bad. It, that's all right. That's that's. He's wanted it his whole life. But so are you about to get to the point where you're saying he, someone's just going to go, okay, let's let's do no, it. No, not so much like okay, let's fight. But he's going to say something that like, and I, I know Trump says he can shoot someone on Fifth Avenue, and that didn't hurt. And there's also the you know the grabbing by the whatever, and that didn't hurt. That's Trump. Though. But Joe Biden could say something that's like that guy can't be president. Like yeah. not, not so much for like from an offense angle, but just like some like from a thing of like I don't trust that guy with all the powers that come with being president. Yeah, so that, that would be the way Sanders gets back in. Your mates that are Bernie bros, yes. if they live in Melbourne, they're called Melburnians. Yes, I saw that article too. <laughs> I've sent them like, hey, guys, you found you your people. It. You found your people. Nah, I just want to uh, tweet stuff. And, and then over to Sanders. We had another Sanders moment as yes, well, now this which was is a good very one. good. So good. Sanders is at a town hall uh, on Fox News. And if Sanders can admit the following then my Bernie bro friends, then your left-wing friends for listeners out there, and left-wing li- people that listen to this show, mm. we, welcome. I met someone that works at ABC that listens to this the other day. Very cool. Wish you would have told me that off air. Uh, and look, if Sanders can admit this, then everyone can admit this. They appear to be moving away more towards market reform and not towards what you're describing you'd like to see here. All right, but if you, and I'm not an expert on the current economy in Sweden. Look, if Sanders doesn't know the economy, like for people that just go, I just want us to be more like Sweden, I just want us to be more like Scandinavia, yeah. you can admit you don't actually know what that means. How? It just sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it's okay for like punters to admit yeah. that. But how can you want to be president of the most powerful country there's ever been? Your whole thing is set around, oh, we should just be like Scandinavia. It's not yeah. like Venezuela, it's like Scandinavia. And then you, one person asks you one question. Yeah. And you can't answer it. So that was Martha McCullum from Fox News and wasn't in the clip, but she goes, you know, he says, oh, Sweden's great. And he goes, she, you know, we want to be like that. And she says, you know, what about lowering or cutting property taxes, lowering corporate taxes, allowing vouchers for schools. The founder of Ikea moved from America back to Sweden after initially moving to America in the first place. Doesn't that mean they're more of a market economy? Mm. It's like, you've got to have an answer prepared for that. You've got to know. <laughs> you've got you all these know. aids. Uh, anyway, and that's so people should know that that actually Scandinavia is not a socialist. Yeah, place. They, they just go like that. That's just the crutch of just going like, oh, we just need to be like them. Yeah, I don't know what it means, but you know they've got to figure it out. Look yeah. at it; they're all happy. So yeah, that's all right. Don't know. Cool. Last one I want to get to Bob Carter, uh, great friend of the show. Mm. I want to. I want him on the show. I've said it more than once. We should uh, get him on. He's uh, now. We make loving fun of Bob Cat. Oh, it's respect. It's respect. You know, we poke fun because, you know, he's a bit of a, he's a cartoonish character in some respects. Yeah. Uh, I want to preface, is it preface or preface? It's definitely preface if you're born in Australia. There we go. Uh, I want to preface uh, what I'm about to talk about <laughs> by I'm... saying this. Uh, he is perfectly right. Like, oh, I, yeah, I, yeah. I want it on record. I'm about to launch into Bob Catter is a cartoonish figure, but the point he's making is perfectly right. So, in regards to the cash angle, uh, do you want to say this one or am I? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So yeah. Bob Catter at it again. Bob, Bob Catter, what he does best. We brought you last week. Now, in the middle of Parliament House, he did this. I'm going to pay $20,000, $19,000 to Edward. 
and who's going to give me $19,000 in gold bullion. So that was Bob purchasing, uh, what was it, a gold, gold, $19,000 worth of gold bullion in the middle of Parliament House. He was making that to point out that actually cash transactions are necessarily, are necessary. apparently up in rural areas, a lot of transactions are cash. He's obviously a rural area and people have been inundating his office, office with things about cash. Yeah. Uh, and also just from a liberty perspective of like, unless you are literally doing it to buy illegal things, the government doesn't have a say on yeah. how you pay for things. Yeah. That's a weird thing to have happened. They just want, they want it, they reckon they need it to be able to track down money launderers and yeah. drug dealers and stuff. And it's like, well. And money launderers uh, will also find other ways yeah. of doing it. And we pay you, like we know your job's difficult. Yeah. That's, that's the job. That's so the job. anyway, but what the, my favourite bit about this was not included in that clip was that Bob Catter invoked the Rum Rebellion, my favourite of all rebellions, uh, where the only successful arm taker of Australian government that's ever occurred on the 26th of January, 1808, uh, William Bly was ban- was found hiding under his bed. He yeah, you've got to do better than that. That's the one thing I come to with the Rum Rebellion. You can't be found under that's the your, bed. That's your one. If you're a leader, you can't be found under the bed. Yeah, well, that's, that's what happened. And the... There's the, no coming back. The Rum Rebellion, in part, was over the fact that they were banning the use of spirits yep. as currency. And and Bob Catter said last week, we "I warn the government." So far from God's grace, we well, pay for things with rum. I'd yep, be rich. That's right. That's right. And Bob Catter said last week, "I warn the government they'd better start finding some big beds to hide under." <laughs> if you want to march on Parliament, Bob Catter, <laughs> I will be right behind you. Because <laughs> God damn it, if I want to pay with stuff with VV, I will. <laughs> You actually launched to a cat impersonation. I didn't plan that. Just I had, I, look, I had more stuff, but that, that's as good a place <laughs> to win the show as any. So thank you to James Fatterson. Thank you to Adam and Theodora on the quiz. Uh, now, we do have Gloria Alvarez coming to Australia. Make sure you're Ooh, going yeah. to generationlibertyipa.org.au. She is going to be – I've got it all written down somewhere. Maybe I do also need – uh, there we go. So uh, she's going to be at Notre Dame Uni on the 12th. She's going to be at University of Melbourne on the 17th. She is going to be at the University of Queensland on the 18th, University of Sydney on the 19th, and Campion College on the 20th. You don't want to miss these. You've got to go to them. They're going to be so much fun. They're going to be so interesting. Mm. Gloria is from – we're talking about socialism and how you do end up with Venezuela. She is from Latin America. She mm. knows firsthand what happens to countries when they go into socialism. She's the best person to hear about this from go to those events we've also got a new podcast uh, the behavioral awareness offices if you do want to hear pete and i talk about footy and the intersection of politics and footy and why the afl hq need to leave the game alone and need to stop with the political causes behavioral awareness offices new shows on youtube and on itunes every sunday night subscribe now I did get a few contacts uh, from my Instagram story about it saying people can't find it. You can find it now. I know that for a fact. Behavioral Awareness Offices, iTunes, and subscribe on YouTube. Tune in. It's really good. Cool. <laughs> it's, it's really good. <laughs> Peter Gregor with the uh, hostage victim. <laughs> <laughs> Hostage victim uh, steal of approval. See you guys next. I want to s- say thank you to Josh, Mitch, Mia, and Steve. But not me. Interesting. See you guys next week. See ya.